Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. White privilege is just an acknowledgement that our world is uneven. We live in a country that's unequal. All human beings share solidarity. All of us are made in God's image equally and therefore worthy of dignity. We're all ruined and rebellious against God and therefore calls us solidarity in sin. We all need the same Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Here we go. Come on down. That's right. It's time to play one of America's fastest growing game sensations here on Wretched Radio. Name that quote. That's right. As always, Jimmy Jam, you will represent the tens and tens of people listening to this year Wretched Radio program. Are you prepared to be the federal head for maybe as many as four people? That's a big responsibility. It certainly is. Here we go. Name that quote. We have nothing to fear. That's it. That's it? That's it. That's the whole quote right there. We have nothing to fear. George Washington. I'm sure you were thinking Winston Churchill. That that was it. That was it. But no, you would be incorrect, sir. I, I was quoting the Bible. Now, I know Winston Churchill said we have nothing to fear but fear itself. But as long as I continue to think about that memorable quote, it doesn't make sense in my pea-brained noggin. If we have nothing to fear, that would include fear itself because nothing means, well, you know, nothing. So we are cool on all fronts, including fear. And yet, I wonder how many of us are fearing a lot these days because we are failing to remember that that quote, while it may be in your noggin courtesy of Winston Churchill, do not be afraid is the most often repeated command in the Bible. Did you know that for all of the time that you and I spend on dealing with subjects like pornography, anger, anxiety, The number one repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid. We have nothing to fear, period. We do not have to fear death. Isn't that the type of thing that gets cast out with perfect love? That would be your first John 4, Rexella. Perfect love casts out fear. It's not all fear in general in the context. It is the fear of judgment. We don't have to be afraid of dying and being judged by God, because that is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God because of Jesus Christ that is gone, gone, gone. We do not have to fear that, our biggest concern, nor do we have to fear anything, which is why the Bible persists in telling us, some people would say as many as 300 times, we are commanded to not be afraid Of what? Well, just consider what's going on in the world these days. While it may have been less sophisticated in Bible days, nevertheless, what was happening in Scripture, no different than the pressures we feel today. We feel all kinds of potential disasters that could spell danger or harm for our families. It could be the economy. It could be your job. It could be the new changing attitude toward Christianity. You're worried about freedom of speech. You're worried about your business. You're worried about being a cake baker who has to bake a cake even though your conscience says no. You are afraid that your kids might not be able to live in the kind of world that you're living in. You're afraid that your grandchildren 
won't even know what liberty is like. Enough fears for us? Nothing new under the sun. Those things were going on in the Bible. Specifically, I would take you back to the book of Nehemiah. While I realize most sermons on the subject of Nehemiah have to do with leadership tips, (laughs) which is not the reason the book was written. Nehemiah was written profitably for us to remind us God is faithful to his Abrahamic covenant. Yep. He sent them on their way. They were dispersed. They were being scattered all over the Middle East. And yet God brought his people back in fulfillment of his Abrahamic commitment that there would be a land, a nation out of which a seed would come. And so God is returning his people and he's going about the business now of fortifying the most beautiful place in the world, which is the city of Jerusalem, specifically the temple when God's people are gathering. The psalmist called it the most beautiful place in the world. And Nehemiah is charged with building a wall. Too many sermons are about, look at the leadership skills of Nehemiah. Look at his focus. Look at his commitment. Look at how he encouraged people. That's how we need to be running businesses too. Eh, not why Nehemiah was written. There are indeed some theologies that could be applied, I'm sure, to management and business. But this book is a reminder of God's hand in governing the affairs of men so that you and I could have a savior. Because remember, that's what the Bible is about. If you're looking for the theme of a book in the Bible, never forget it's about Jesus. Because if you look at a theme in, a, in any particular book and say, okay, this is 1 Corinthians Paul is dealing with syncretism, 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 syncretism. That's good. You want to remember that all the way throughout the book. But don't forget the book in the greater context of the whole book is about Jesus Christ. And you don't want to miss that because you will not be a Christological preacher or Christian. Because Jesus is revealed, Luke 24, Colossians 2, on every single page of the Bible. And so Nehemiah is really about Jesus and how God fulfilled his promise to deliver that seed by having a particular set apart people who would worship him in the city of Jerusalem. The only way to have that intimate relationship with God through the temple, which, of course, we know was obliterated in 70 AD. Why? Because Jesus came and templed with us. It was a physical picture of a greater spiritual reality. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, who templed, he tabernacled with his people. Now, you and I have been given the Holy Spirit, courtesy of Pentecost, and we are the temples of God. When we get together, we're one big collective temple in your local congregation, which is why Sunday morning is the most Beautiful place that you can possibly be. Why? Because that's what Jerusalem was. Now we are, if you will, the new Jerusalem in a sense, in that the people of God gathering make it the most beautiful place in the world because we are the mini temples of God gathering together as a group temple of God. And it's the most beautiful place in the world. That's what Nehemiah is about. But along the way, we do learn some things specifically in Nehemiah chapter 6 about the subject of fear. Nehemiah is endeavoring to build the wall. There's some bad people, Sanballat being one of them, didn't want there to be success in Jerusalem with the building of a wall because they wanted to take over the city. So we see an effort, a four-pronged effort to knock Nehemiah 
off of his game and to distract his focus by sending letters to him, by sending messengers to him four times. He has sent a messenger to tell him, hey, 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 you're up to shenanigans here. You're trying to put a new king back onto the throne in in Jerusalem, and you are going to be in trouble because you are under cap. You're in captivity. You're still under authority of the Babylonians. And so in Nehemiah chapter six, we get this. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and there were no breaks left at it. Though at the time I had not hung the doors, the, do- the doors were still wide open, which means they were still vulnerable. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. In other words, they were trying to hurt him. They were going to kill him so that the work of God could stop. This is instructive for you and me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. I can't come down. Why should this work stop so that I can come and be with you? But they sent me this message four times and I answered them in the same way. So Sanballat sent a messenger, the same shenanigan, and throughout Nehemiah chapter 6, got this Sunday morning courtesy of our pastor, Ty Blackburn, four times it also tells us they did it to frighten me. They're trying to, ah, I'm going to be a scaredy cat, so I'm going to put down my trowel and my sword, because you'll remember earlier in Nehemiah, they were building the wall with a brick in one hand, a sword in the other to protect themselves because they were so vulnerable without that wall. We hear Nehemiah describe what the tactics of his enemies were to cause him to be afraid. Why? So that he would stop the important work of building the wall, which is God's work. Let's fast forward to today. Consider all of the messages that you receive. You get more than four per minute Constantly telling you, this is something scary. This is something dangerous. You better be frightened of this. Take note of that. Get anxious about another thing. Could it be that the message of Nehemiah chapter 6 is this? The devil's modus operandi for getting God's people to stop doing their important work is for them to hear messages, messages and reports that cause them to be afraid and stop working. Is it possible that you and I do need to be like Nehemiah, not a good business manager, but one who is not afraid so that we don't take our eyes off of the prize of doing the most important work there is and letting the enemy have victory? Is it possible? Nehemiah chapter 6 has never been more relevant for you and me than right now. Try to make that case next on Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, Affordable Biblical Health Sharing has a 98% approval rating. 
400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Are we heading toward a dystopian society? Who decides what is good and evil? Who decides what truth is? Are there such things as fate or free will? Morals? Are we born with those? Or does the culture we live in inform them? Those are all really good questions and topics that we tackle daily on Wretched Radio and TV. Our goal has always been to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of our gospel partners. If you are a Wretched Gospel partner, thank you so much for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org donate, or you can also so just as easily text the word wretched to the number 44321. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being saved. Churches are being built. And yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Master's Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Know your church fathers. Totian is known as Asia's first Christian theologian. He came from Assyria and studied under Justin Martyr before returning to prepare a path for the gospel into Western Asia. He wrote A Harmony of the Four Gospels. It was the primary gospel text in Syria throughout the 3rd and 4th centuries. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Go ahead, scroll. Take a look at your news feed and tell me there are not messages intended to scare you. This is Wretched Radio, a sermon I heard Sunday morning. It could not possibly be more relevant than it is today, based on a text that was written, oh, 3,400 years ago, 3,000 years ago. This bronze-aged book we call the Old Testament should not be unhitched from our churches and from our Bible study and from our evangelism. Instead, we need to carefully go into those books to learn what God would have us know today. Now, this is always a little bit tricky when it comes to expository preaching, because if you use a text like Nehemiah, you are now that's that becomes that can become the foundation of your application 
typically we like to preach from the New Testament and then scoot back to the Old Testament to say, see, this is like that. What we're studying here in the New Testament about not being afraid, here's a good example of that in Nehemiah chapter 6. When you're preaching from Nehemiah chapter 6, you need to read through the historical narrative, but then you need to go to other parts of the Bible to say, this is what is going on here, and this is the application for us today. It's a delicate balance to find when preaching from the Old Testament, but when we do it rightly, you and I have so much to learn, and there can be so much encouragement there. I would ask you, have you really taken some time to do a little bit of emotional inventory on yourself lately? In all of the hullabaloo that's going on, with all of the threats, with all of the changing of culture, whether it's CRT, whether it's liberalism, socialism, uh, similar to CRT. But the point is, lots of stuff to get you scared. And I wonder if we've actually been thinking about that. I can't help it because we've got to ask ourselves the question, God is doing something in Western civilization. You say, well, it's all bad stuff, right? And it's all God's doing in that he is providentially reigning over every single thing, every single thing. And that means even as foundations crumble, God in his providential will is permitting it or causing it to happen, permitting it if it's sinful, causing it if it's not, for his greater end to bring glory to his son. Now, if that means everything is underneath his purview, which it is, that includes you and me. That includes our local churches. That includes your family. So let's ask this question of ourselves just for a second. With all of the conversations, perhaps the nervous energy that we have put toward identifying the assaults on our current culture, and there's nothing wrong with being aware that there are enemies at the gate. How do we respond? How do we prepare? I'm talking about, though, getting consumed to the point of being afraid and not doing the work that is more important. Nehemiah chapter 6. He's building, Nehemiah's building the wall. By the way, got done in 52 days. A miracle of God, as the text would tell us, that clearly his hand was in it. Perhaps not a miracle proper, but it was certainly the hand of God that was causing the wall to be built that quickly. But there were enemies sending threatening messages to Nehemiah. Hey, we know what you're up to. You're trying to put a king back in Judah. We're going to tattle on you. You're going to get squashed. All intended, as the text tells us, if you read through Nehemiah chapter 6, fascinating narrative, interesting stuff. He's building the wall. They send the messages so that I would be frightened. So that I would be frightened, so that I would be frightened, so that I would be frightened four times, so that I would stop doing this important work. Can we back off of that historical narrative and ask some questions in the greater context of our entire Bible? The devil is an enemy, a defeated one, a vanquished foe, but nevertheless an enemy. What is his modus operandi? He's a liar. He's the father of lies, and he uses fear a lot to get us to do the unimportant things, to distract us from the things that we're supposed to be doing. He's the father of lies. He loves to lie, 
and he loves to get us consumed with, well, frankly, ourselves, because that's what fear is, isn't it? It, it's it's really a self-preservation mode. I know it can expand out into our families and other realms, but primarily we're worried about us, our future, what's going to happen, my physical health, is this going to hurt, how will I do in jail, whatever the issue is. We're thinking about ourselves. And then we get together and we talk about what? What do we talk about? Well, according to Acts chapter 2, 42, we are supposed to be getting together to talk about Jesus. No, not every single second, every conversation, sentence needs to be about Jesus. But that should be really the focus of our conversation way more than the threats of the day. Please note, I didn't say we're not aware of the threats of the day. I'm just saying that we don't focus on those things, get consumed by those things, spend all of our time talking about the less important things when we should be talking about the more important things, which means you and I can be getting weaker in our fear of the future because we are not partaking of one of the means of growth, which is what Acts chapter 2 and 42 is about, that we fellowship talking about Jesus, we're praying, we're listening to sermons, We are doing the work of the church. We're getting strengthened. No, when we're talking about Sanballat, uh uh-oh, another messenger. Uh Uh-oh, here's the lie now. Uh Uh-oh, they're lining up outside. Uh Uh-oh, what do you do? You get distracted. You put down your trowel. You stop building the wall. You stop doing what Nehemiah said is the important work. And that describes you and me, I believe, to a T. We are assaulted every day through the internet, your phone, Just water cooler conversations, all of the threats, all of the dangers that exist. And we can be so consumed by that, so fearful of it. We're not growing strong because we're not doing the work of the church. We're not doing the means of growth that are prescribed for us in Acts chapter 2. We're getting weaker, more fearful, and we're not doing the important work. We're distracted because of lies designed to cause fear to get us to stop doing the important work. May I challenge you to consider if that maybe describes you today? Does that maybe catch you in in, in a spot where you're going, I wonder if that's it. Is that why I've been feeling this way? Is that why I've just been so uh, and down and, 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 and not excited about doing the important work? And maybe you haven't been getting plugged into church because of fears. Now, some of them, I grant you, are warranted. So this caveat is always required. The nota bene needs to get attached. Obviously, with health issues, comorbidities, you want to be thoughtful and careful about any sort of pandemic. But is it possible you're over fear to some of that is keeping you from doing the work of the church? That there, there is some stuff that you could be doing there. You could be participating somehow, some way, but your fear is keeping you away. I'm not telling you to not think this through. I'm just asking you to search yourself and to consider, am I being controlled by fear? Because the devil uses fear and lies to get people to stop doing the Lord's work. And that is why it appears over 300 times that we are not supposed to be fearing. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not, Mary. Fear not, Joseph. Fear not, Zechariah. Don't be afraid. And that is a command that you've got to give it some weight. Fear is a big sin because we would think, don't look at porn. 
in our day and age would be like the 300 fold command. Don't do that because it's like such a big deal. Hold on. Fear must be a really big deal and it must be a really big, bad, nasty sin for God to command it over 300 times. What makes it such a bad sin? Fear is rooted in doubt. Fear is rooted in disbelief. I didn't say you're not a believer. You're just not believing God's promises. When he tells you over and over again, don't be afraid. Christian, I've got you. You're mine. Yeah, you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, which we are all in, by the way, all the time. The psalmist wasn't just experiencing a temporary, whoo, this is a little bleak. No, we are all walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But I will not fear. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I don't have wants. I've got the Lord. That's all I need. He takes care of my needs. He's taking me through this. And when death does darken my doorstep, he is going to take me by the hand and march me through so that I do not have to fear the judgment of God, but so that we might hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I wonder, I just wonder, If you and I need to heed the commands of the Bible and the lesson from Nehemiah chapter 6, that we need to stop being afraid. And if we're going to die, if we're going to struggle, if we're going to lose stuff, so be it. We are marching to celestial city by the Lord who has made the path for us who has led the charge, led the way, and is going to bring his children home. And maybe, just maybe, while we're aware of the dangers, the people who could tear down the wall, he could, they could hurt us woefully, that you and I, because of Jesus Christ, we will fear no evil, because his rod and his staff, they comfort us. This is Wretched Radio. This is Ratchet Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start today with a bizarre story from Nigeria, where police have rescued 77 people, including 23 children, who pastors instructed to remain in a church basement and wait for the second coming of Christ. According to some reports, some of these have been kept in the church for a year. Police have arrested the church's pastor and associate pastor and slapped them with kidnapping charges, among others. Okay, so regardless of your view on last things, I think we can all agree that being locked in your church's basement when Jesus returns is not going to give you some extra gold stars or put you at the front of the line. And as we tell you frequently here at Ratchet, keep praying for all of our brothers and sisters abroad. The British bank, Halifax Bank, has reduced itself to Twitter feuding with their own customers over pronouns. Recently, the bank proudly tweeted its new employee policy where bank employees now wear name tags with their preferred pronouns. And customers of the bank started doing what those on social media tend to do, speaking out and disagreeing with the bank's decision. And bank officials, instead of letting it go, decided, you know, it's a good idea to just engage with our critics. And they even went so far as to tell customers of the bank that if they don't like their new policy, 
They can skedaddle, and some of those have taken their advice. Multiple customers have closed out accounts and transferred balances to the bank's competitors, and one customer was noted as to pulling out over half a million dollars at one time. But to their credit, I guess you could say they're continuing to hold their line amid the backlash. What's interesting, at least to me, is why businesses these days feel the need to virtue signal like this. I just don't get it. It's like one person's money all of a sudden has less value if they don't think the way you do. But hey, it is their bank. They can do whatever they want. Well, some students at one New York high school are speaking up and out against the actions of the school's principal, who they say is targeting the school's white teachers. In a petition created by the students, they say the principal has spent more school resources on improving the appearance of the school than she has improving the quality of the education students are receiving. The principal, Paula Leave, came under investigation in 2021 for allegedly telling another faculty member that she, quote, was going to get rid of all of these white teachers that aren't doing anything for the kids of our community. And as you continue to read through this story, the complaints against the principal do get more troubling because it seems that she has an agenda and the students at the school see right through it. Good for them. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1870. Pope Pius IX proclaims a doctrine of papal infallibility. Though the authority of the Pope had been established for centuries, the teaching that the Pope's teaching is divinely inspired and infallible is a very recent invention. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hello, this is Alistair Begg, sort of. This is Wretched Radio. Wow, my apology to anybody who's from Scotland ever for that Todd, that was really an impersonation of Scotland. It absolutely was. I don't know how much preaching of Alistair Begg you have caught. Encourage you to check him out. He's been faithfully preaching in Cleveland. He went from Scotland to Cleveland. And you can see why, because, you know, Edinburgh and Cleveland. Well, the point is, he moved to Cleveland and he's been faithfully pastoring Parkside Church outside of Cleveland for 30 years. And he is inclined to quote hymns, the stuff that he learned as a child. And it always impresses me that he doesn't seem to need notes for it. He just seems to know these songs, which is really a reminder of how powerful music is, that you can remember so much music and you can remember the lyrics to songs that can go back decades. And yet, when asked what the Sunday sermon was, yeah, I'm like an Etch-a-Sketch. I just draw a complete blank on this deal. Shake, 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 and it all just goes away. Music sticks. And so it is. I'd like to do my impersonation of Alistair Begg, except I have to read this. was thinking about this hymn and talking about being afraid of what's going on in the world because there's plenty to be afraid of, isn't there? And yet, when the Bible tells us over 300 times, don't do it. Wouldn't be prudent to be fearful. Don't be afraid. It's a faith issue. Believe the promises of God. He's got you. You are his. He is not going to let ill befall you that he does not providentially ordain for your good. You and I, we have a tendency to think for my good will be ease, comfort. It's the way it is. We, I mean, duh. It's, it's more pleasant. 
To have life go easy and sweet, to have enough money in the bank account to not have to worry about the credit card payment. Those things are nice and they are blessings. And we should be grateful if we have them. But the Lord has a different type of hierarchy list with what is the blessed life. He wants us to be conformed to the image of his son. Not what we tend to strive for as naturally as we do our preferential comforts. True? And so it is when you and I allow ourselves to be consumed with the things, the carking cares of our contemporary culture, nice alliteration, freel. You'd think I were a Southern Baptist. We can be fearful, weak, inward focused, and failing to do the work of the church. This hymn came to mind. I walk in danger all the way. Remember this hymn? I'm walking danger. Freel, you're not going to sing it, are you? Nope. I'll just do it for you in my Scottish accent. Nope, won't do that either. I walk in danger all the way. The thought shall never leave me. That Satan who has marked his prey is plotting to deceive me. This foe with hidden snares may seize me unawares. If I should fail to watch and pray, I walk in danger all the way. This is a dangerous place. We do need to be mindful of the things that are going on. But we need to be doing it a certain way. Because if we let the dangers cause us to shake, tremble, and be constantly fearful, then we are putting our eyes too intently onto the things of the world and not on the one who is controlling the affairs of the universe. That's the secret here. That's what God wants. And I can't help but think you and I, we've been a little distracted This is getting weird out there. And we can tend to be talking and focusing a lot on those things. And there it has its place. My point is, are we failing to do the important work of the church? Are you serving in church as much as you could be? If you didn't watch, sorry for this. This this would be akin to, for the cost of A cup of coffee every day. You could be feeding us. I'm not going to try to do that, but I guess I am. How much Fox do you watch every day versus how much time do you spend praying every day or going to church and serving every day? I know we have discretionary time. That's between you and the Lord. I'm just asking. Name a Fox story from eight days ago. Go. Kind of forgot, didn't you? Why? Because it just constant bombardment of stuff. And I wonder if so much of our cable media, which is not Christian media, is being used by the tempter to get us to be distracted, afraid, and not do the work of the church. Verse 2, I pass through trials all the way with sin and ills contending. There's our big problem, isn't it? (laughs) Forget what's going on in Washington, D.C. I was about what's going on in my heart. That should be our focus. In patience, I must bear each day the cross of God's own sending. Man, you don't hear a sentence like that in contemporary worship, do you? That God sends the crosses to us. When in adversity, I know not where to flee. When storms of woe my soul dismay, I pass through trials all the way. Is this going to get to some good news? Yeah, eventually. And death pursues me all the way. Nowhere I rest securely. He comes by night. He comes by day. He takes his prey most surely. 
A failing breath and I, in death's strong grasp, may lie to face eternity today as death pursues me all the way. Your stalker is death. He's with you every step of the way. Can't touch you until the Lord determines that's the second. But the shadow is there. Verse 4, I walk with angels all the way. They shield me and befriend me. All Satan's power is held at bay when heavenly hosts attend me. They are my sure defense. All fear and sorrow, hence unharmed by foes, do what they may. I walk with angels all the way. Better yet, they walk with you all the way. Probably more like a zone defense kind of thing rather than a man-to-man deal. But nevertheless, there they are. And I love the image. I wish I could think of the verse for you. It's in the Bible. Just read it. You'll find it eventually. That the angels, their faces on, they're, they're just looking at the throne of God. They're, they're, it's like they're staring intently. Like, like the dog, you've got the stick that he loves. The bone, the treat, and you're going to throw it. The squeaky toy. By the way, um, you might want to do a dog lover a favor. You know those, those well, it happens to be a pickle. Um, dog, wing, 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 and they love to bite it and just squeaking, 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 squeaking. Before you buy one of those for a dog owner, just think about how much you care for that person. Because I got to tell you, it's a little aggravating. Nevertheless, you got the pickle, you got the stick. And what's the dog doing? <sighs> you know, huh, oh, and you, you whip it and his eyes go out, but then he realizes he's been deceived. So now he just keeps his eyes on you, even when you throw the stick. That's the picture of the angels waiting for God to say, go. And they fly to where he sends them for you. And we're afraid of anything. Verse five, I walk with Jesus all the way. His guidance never fails me. Within his wounds, I find a stay when Satan's power assails me. And by his footsteps led my path I safely tread. No evil leads my soul astray. I walk with Jesus all the way. Even as the Lord appears to be abandoning a nation, he's not abandoning his children. He's not abandoning you. He's not abandoning his church. He's working and he's strong and he's able and he's good. Verse six. That's right. Six stanzas. Loaded with theology. My walk is heavenward all the way. Await my soul the morrow. When God's good healing shall allay all suffering, sin, and sorrow. From all thy sin and sorrow, then wordly pomp be gone. To heaven I now press on. For all the world I would not stay. My walk is heavenward all the way. That reminds me of a Puritan. You can find this quote in your Bible next to that other verse I couldn't remember the address of. Would you really be so cruel to want to bring your loved one back from heaven? Wow. Wow. Tell me that isn't probing and powerful. Wow. Would you be so cruel to want your loved one to come back when they are enjoying Jesus? <laughs> well, that is a bit of a stinging rebuke. I think it also has a great deal of comfort loaded in it, does it not? That's that's where your loved one is. Don't long for them to return. 
they're they're they they wouldn't want to come back. It's not because they don't love you. It's because they are loving Jesus that much more. And that's what you and I have to look forward to. And so as we go about the business of walking through this weary land as sojourners, not of the Jim Wallace stripe, but as people who do not really have an earthly nation as much as we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom, we're walking in danger. Let us be careful to not be afraid. God's children should not be scaredy cats. We're not foolhardy people whiplashing into the other ditch, but we're not going to be perpetually cowering, conversing about the catastrophes of the day, worried about what the president's going to do, what this Congress is up to, what legislation. Aware of all of it, nevertheless, we will heed our Lord's most often repeated command, do not be afraid. This is Wretched Radio. Thanks to our partners, we were able to create channels of food supplies from neighboring countries of Moldova and Romania. Over 45 tons of non-perishable food supplies were brought in and delivered to thousands of people from small towns and cities that suffered from the war. That is our dear brother Max from the Tomorrow Clubs in Ukraine continuing to preach the gospel, opening up kids clubs where they can and, because of the war, providing resources, providing food and shelter and prayer and, of course, the gospel to people who are in need. If you have never considered supporting Tomorrow Clubs, this might be the right time. You are needed in Ukraine. Tomorrow Clubs will do the work. They will take care of the distribution. They just need the resources. Would you please consider providing them? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. But what do you know about Wretched TV? Hmm? Well, let me give you some facts. Wretched TV is daily. Wretched TV is 30 minutes. And Wretched TV can be found on 135 Christian TV networks. Wretched TV is also hosted by Todd. Wretched TV is also available on Roku, Amazon Prime, and Truly. If you haven't seen Wretched TV yet, it's certainly not because you lack the opportunity, because it's everywhere. Check it out today at all of the places I just mentioned or also wretched.org slash TV. And while you're at wretched.org, click the donate page and take a look at how you might become a monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Neither Wretched Radio nor Wretched TV are possible without the support of our Gospel Partners. Wretched.org slash donate or you can also text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. The war for life is not over. The war for life has just begun. Dan Steiner from preborn.org slash wretched. Our partner clinic in um, Buffalo, New York, is firebomb. A clinic in Longmont, Colorado also was burned. And so this is the essence of who we are as Christians. We war not against flesh and blood. The implication is that we are, in fact, at war, and we are. The war for life rages on state by state, city by city, block by block, woman by woman. Would you please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched, providing free ultrasound, providing counseling, providing parental training, providing Similac, providing clothes, providing diapers, and 
offering them the good news of the gospel. We are at war for life. Please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible The book of James is much like Proverbs for the New Testament, employing a concise and memorable style with a simple yet profound message. Christians should think and act like Christians. It is very easy to understand, but exceptionally difficult to obey. This ought to lead us to repentance and a fresh reliance upon the grace of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Please just carry on without me. I need just a moment, please. This is Wretched Radio. Dab, dab. Don't mind telling you, I was rather encouraged to read the footnotes in my John MacArthur study Bible on a Bible verse that came to mind on the subject of fear. Stop talking about fear already. It's a big deal. And I am of the mind that lately you and I have been the victim. No, we have been the surrenderer to fear. If fear is a tactic of the devil to get us to be afraid, to take our eyes off of the prize and the important work, there is a lot of that coming our way to distract us, to make us afraid. And I am doing a a little personal inventory to see, have I been afraid lately? Have I been timid in the way that I have been talking about these issues? Have I been perhaps not doing certain things because I'm a little bit worried about what the future holds? Now, to note well, we do not want to become reckless people. But I don't think that we should be of the posture where it's like, well, let's wait and see because, you know, they might take away the tax-exempt status. Yeah, they might. In the meantime, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to march on and I'm going to do the important work. And if it is possible that you have been sidelined to any degree because of fear, would like to encourage you, courtesy of the Bible, to note it's a sin. You've got a Savior who does not give you a spirit of fear, but of power. And that you and I need to be doing our master's work, perhaps even more intently with the mindset that if indeed the light is dimming, then we are going to make hay while the sun shines and do the important work, and not with a spirit of cowardliness, which is why I was a little verklempt because I was thinking about that Bible verse. It's 2 Timothy 1.7, and I thought, oh, but I don't want to take it out of context, courtesy of the MacArthur Study Bible. I wasn't. Here's the Bible verse. Let's remember context, context, context. He says, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. This is his opening address to Timothy and the church. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that Timothy wept when Paul separated from him. What a beautiful picture of fellowship that is. And what a reminder, by the way, that feminism should not intimidate men to never have tears. Isn't that the way that it works? Men, traditionally more stoic than women, encouraged by our culture to be very feminine these days. Some of us are really afraid to cross that line and be considered a sissy in any way. And crying certainly would qualify. Timothy cried. I think about Acts. Remember, when Paul was leaving the church for the last time, 
was it the church of Ephesus? And they cried and cried together. Big boys don't cry. Well, godly men can. Not perpetually. You shouldn't have a hanky that needs to be wrung out every hour. But the point is, Paul was mindful of his tears. And that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. It does appear that Timothy had the propensity to be this. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't write that. That he was being less bold than he should be. A little afraid of stuff. Let me read the footnote. A spirit of fear. The Greek word which can also be translated timidity, denotes a cowardly, shameful fear caused by a weak, selfish character. That's what fear is. I'm worried about me. I'm scared because I don't want to go through something. That's what a spirit of fear looks like. Selfishness. The threat of Roman persecution. Change it. This is a contemporary book. The threat of American persecution which was escalating under, under Nero, it says. You can just put whatever politician you'd like to right there. They were being worried about persecution, the dangers that were coming their, their way, which was escalating under Nero. They hate. Look, I don't have my glasses on, so just bear with me a little bit, okay? This is a big word here. The The... The hate, the hostility. There it is. <laughs> the hostility of those in the Ephesian church who remember Timothy's leadership and the assaults of false teachers with their sophisticated systems of deceptions may have been overwhelming Timothy. But if he was fearful, It didn't come from God. Why? Because we've been given a spirit of power. God has given believers of his spiritual resources they need for every trial and threat. We have been given that spirit. You and I have that spirit of power, not to build a Fortune 500 company necessarily, but to do great works for God. What is a great work? You would probably say building a wall is not a great work. That's schleppy work. That's the stuff that isn't esteemed in the eyes of of our culture as being really the cool stuff. That's the world's perspective of work. It's not God's. The bricklayer or the businessman. In God's economy, do you know who do you know who has the better gig? The answer really is neither. What God is more interested in is not what you're putting your hands to per se, but the heart that is behind the hands and why you are building and doing what you're doing. That's what God cares about. And so we see Nehemiah in chapter 6, building a wall with bricks. The former cupbearer of the king is now building a wall, getting his hands dirty, and he calls it important work. He's doing work that the world would go, that's petty, trivial stuff. That's manual labor. No, it was the Lord's work, and it was important work. 
and your work in your local church with your family, it is important work, even when the world says not so much, because you are doing it unto the Lord, building his kingdom. It's important work. And you and I, we need to we need to be aware of that spirit of power to lose timidity. For instance, I I would be lying if I didn't tell you that in consideration of all of the potential things that are happening in the world, how should we make plans for the future? This ministry alone, there would be a decision to make. You could hear all of the reports about all of the things that are going on and saying, hmm, we better not make very aggressive plans. I didn't say foolhardy, but aggressive plans. Yeah. Adding a new TV show right now. You know, what if, what if, I mean, I did hear that there's maybe some legislation about licensing for radio stations. So maybe, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't do. uh, Now, please note, I'm not suggesting we're not aware of those things. And I'm not suggesting that those things can't actually happen and that we shouldn't plan wisely. And there will be varying degrees of difficulty in figuring out our next steps. But I actually had a decision to make. Are we going to go on the tenuous, well, what ifs? Or are we going to take advantage of what exists today and go like mad to preach the gospel to as many people as possible? We chose the latter. We're going to go, man. Go. And we're going to let the world do what the world does. But in the meantime, we are going to be doing the important work of preaching the gospel. I hope without fear, without timidity, with a spirit of power, Because that is the important work. Now, might my tune change in three years, five years? Sure it can. It could alter based on what's happening and based on what is is being described. And you can make alternative plans. Okay, instead of going this way, then we're going to shoot that way because we need to go this way because it's squirting out the other side. Yep, all of that. But as we go, let us do it not from a position of cowering, of timidity, a spirit of Timothy, that we are scared about everything going on around us. Look, they're scary things. Granted, I got stacks. You kidding? I got stacks of scary things here. And we're going to keep keep reporting them and talking about them, but not as scaredy cats. Not to keep us cowering behind closed doors. Not to keep us away from serving in the context of our local church. Not to keep us from giving money to our local church. Not to keep us from doing evangelism with our neighbors. Well, they might really hate What if they hate us? And what if it really turns? And those people, they're going to come for me first. Yep. They might. They might not. In the meantime, we have not been given a spirit of timidity, but of power based in love, the love that God has shown for us and the love that we have for others. So if we want to return that love, that perfect love, which casts out all fear, it will be to love God by knowing that we are loved by him and that we start loving others by preaching the gospel to them as powerfully and as boldly as we can while we can, because we have not been given a spirit of fear. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. (laughs) 